A hurricane and they meet me in the middle It's the exotic breeze at the festival night shows That hot sweaty air with a twist of that hydro It's the power of my passion, the picture my pen paints Caressing the canvas to put my click in the zen states That zone with my thought, the beast when it's starlit That blazing fireplace, bare feet on the carpet Or sitting on my porch where this one sways freely And right through the night until the sun rays greet me It's the past love still cooking inside It's that warm fuzzy feeling when I look in her eyes it's pouring out my heart and soul when I'm flipping the gems It's catching my dreams, lost in whole fiction again It's like and g'day, how you doing? Welcome to episode number 61 of the Average Man Podcast, Eye of the Storm Eye of the Storm Not quite, eh? Um, I don't know, it felt like that That was, uh, it was a, um, a reasonable song appropriate song to have for the title of this of this episode even though the cyclone is a couple hundred k's away from us and we're not on red alert anymore it's a good track so why not use the uh, opportunity to um jump on it so it is saturday the 8th of february and yeah man there's um pretty big cyclone going on down the down the road from us down in Caratha there, Tropical Cyclone Damien. I think it's 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 making landfall like right now, so they'll be getting smashed as we speak. It's like um, two o'clock, two thirty here. So yeah, they've probably probably been getting smashed the last hour or two, like with the actual the, the main brunt of it. I think that was that was the kind of the gist of it. It's going to hit midday today, so it's been downgraded to a Cat Three, which is good. You know, it was it was looking like it was going to be a Category Four when it hit land. Um, you know, and I, obviously that's pretty damaging, man. So uh, I've been just on the Karatha uh, like information pages, everything Karatha. What, what do they they call theirs? Um, something not everything, not everything Karatha. Anyway, they got a page like how everything handling. Um, yeah, just I was just on there checking out a bunch of the different posts and, and looking at all the latest updates from bomb and everything and yeah man um it's good that it's been downgraded you know um it's a lot of da- like they're talking about 150 to 230 k on our, an hour winds in the center of the cyclone man and it's going to be going on for quite a long time no doubt shit loads of rain they've got a big storm surge issue going on as well um but yeah we, we've kind of missed all the all the excitement really we've got a bunch of rain today as you guys would know kicking around probably not as much as as we were hoping hey 
up here. Everyone who's who's local listening to this, we kind of wanted a bit a bit more rain. It's still raining now. I guess by the time it's all said and done, by the end of the weekend, we'll we'll get a couple of maybe 150 to 200 mil over the whole over the whole course of the week, which is pretty good, really. But yeah, we haven't had the massive big torrential downpour like we did last time. Um, and it's not much further away from us, the, the actual landfall this time. I think it hit about Wim Creek this time. And now they're saying it's kind of this one's landed between Wim Creek, Wim Creek and Marty, somewhere around there. So it's only another 100 k's away from us, but I guess that makes a difference. And yeah, it's just a different kind of system. But we got enough rain, man. We had a, a, a bit of a few strong winds coming through, uh, but nothing damaging, which is really good. We're getting the rain from it, a bit of excitement. Um, but yeah, no no damaging winds, which is what you want, man. I really couldn't be bothered with another massive cyclone clean up, and I left one of my big shade sails up because it was too much hassle to pull down. Um, so it looks like that's going to last, which is good, eh? Um, yeah, and just hope everyone down in Carruthers uh, safe, man. You know, it's all funny games. We like to have a laugh and joke about it and, and shit like that. But at the end of the day, they do do a fair bit of damage and and. Um, Probably people are going to be all right, but, you know, you just worry about people's property, their cars and boats and caravans and old houses and shit flooding, especially in storm surge areas and all that kind of crap. So hopefully everyone's all right and there's not too much personal damage, you know, done to people's personal belongings and shit like that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, the same same story as, as every year up here. There's this word of a cyclone hits the streets and every man and his dog gets down at Coles and Woolies and, and, and just buys up everything they can get their hands on and then um, the, the trucks come in again I think the trucks reloaded yesterday they sold out on Thursday Arvo and then they reloaded again on Friday during the day so everyone would have gone back down there and emptied the shops out again I know the bottle was looking pretty lean when I was there on Friday Arvo uh, on, sorry on Thursday Arvo so if you're a Coles or a Woolly um, Woolies you do you do alright out of these events because they just sell out couple of times in a couple of days which is pretty mad really yeah, it's funny hey like i don't know it's good to la- have a laugh about it everyone flogging the shops and, and just going crazy and filling up their trolleys full of bread and water and canned food and all that kind of shit and meat's obviously the first thing to go and meat and veg and all that kind of shit but end of the day like even if we the cyclone um isn't going to hit us and didn't hit us but the the roads are probably going to be closed um, we're still getting a shitload of rain, especially you know um, west of us, sort of down the coastline a bit, and, and then you know, that'll that'll continue inland, and so all routes into headland are still going to be copping copping a shitload of water, and no doubt will be um, roads will be closed down for a few days afterwards. Hopefully not as long as last year. I can't remember for how long it was now. If it was like a, it was definitely a week. We were definitely closed down for a week last year. Um, yeah, and then you know, obviously, we can't stop the shops up in that time period. So, yeah, you do you do have to be pragmatic and load up a little bit. But it is funny watching how people go crazy, man. There's there's posts all over Facebook and shit about <laughs> shops being empty and photos of people with their trolleys loaded up with all random shit, like prepping for the end of the world. Um, yeah, there's uh, speaking of funny memes, yeah, there's obviously a bunch online at the moment. There's and when I was looking on the on the Carrather pages before, there's a some dude or has started up or some person has started up a um, Cyclone Demo Facebook page which you just got a bunch of funny memes on there and shit uh, yeah so that's worth that's worth a look if you're sitting around bored and want, and want something to do and it's just cool how um, the communities like these communities come together in these times man like there's people online giving out legitimate 
advice, asking questions, people who obviously aren't as experienced as going through these things and are probably a bit worried, people who've, who've been there, done that, seen it, seen it all before, um, you know, and those people look, give out a lot of good good uh, advice and information and um, DFES are obviously really good and, the, you know, your local radio stations and shit will be all over the updates and with Facebook and social media, that's one of the brilliant things about this whole um, this whole time period we're in now where we, you know obviously there's ups and downs and there's pros and cons goods and bads to the social media and internet and, and technology age that we're in but one of the really good things is that you know, we can share that kind of critical information so easily man people don't have to be feeling like they're alone your internet is, is more than likely not going to go down people will be on their phones and um, on their Facebook and shit like that getting advice and, and staying connected to other people around town and you know um and then people are so willing to help out, man. I, was, I saw a business uh, had who have got a big shed down there in Karratha. I can't remember the name of the business now. Um, but, yeah, they were letting locals bring their boats and caravans and utes and shit in and locking it in their big shed for, for the duration of the cyclone so that doesn't get blown away and trashed and shit, which is really cool, man, um, people jumping in and helping out like that. So, yeah, and again, that's one of the, the positives of the technological age that we're, um, that we're in right now. Um as I say, there's pros and cons to it. I've, I've sort of spoken a few times about some of the the more de- detrimental um, points of social media, like um, FOMO that people get, you know, the fear of missing out when you're looking at other people's uh, Instagram lies and shit like that. You know, people post the, the, best, the best five minutes of their life online. Um, and... and, and it's pretty easy for other people to look at that and think that this person's living a uh, this amazing, exciting life or their own doing fuck all with their lives. Uh, that's a big one that happens. And, like, we all get it to some degree, I think. You just, you know, as you get a bit older and you get a bit more... Not necessarily older, but if you're a bit more um, switched on to, to the whole... what You know, just to the way that works and to the, the whole concept of it, you can get better at just processing that information and realising that you know that's you're doing it right everyone's not just killing it because their because their Instagram page looks great but especially young people I think it's really hard for them um, people at high school who don't have that those reference points yet and the experience in life especially young girls as well you know they're very it's a very image based world that they live in and, and looking at other girls and other people online with these awesome Instagram pages and it must be really really hard to navigate through that uh, these days I can't I mean I guess I can kind of imagine but I don't have an, any real um, any real life reference points of what that would be like to be 16 again and to be so entrenched in social media um, I just didn't have it when I was at school you know I didn't have it at all we started getting mobile phones um, when I was about like they were around my dad had one you know when I was sort of 14 something like that um, it was a big, big brick of a thing with an aerial on it and shit like that. And, you know, guys who ran businesses and stuff would have car phones and, and mobile phones like that attached to briefcases and shit like that. But it wasn't a common thing. Definitely kids didn't just have them. Um, I started, we started getting them, me and my friends and stuff, when I was about 17. So like year 12, maybe, maybe in year 11, people started getting phones. And it was sort of like a thing that you would keep in, in your bag, um... As a teenager, you quite often got a bag with you anyway, not during school hours. If you're going out, we were out skating all the time and you have a bag with some deodorant in it and, you know, maybe a spare, a spare T-shirt and 
um, some other bits and pieces quite often staying over friends' houses and shit like that and you know and your you, your wallet would go in there and your your phone would just sit in the bag and you'd like call people your parents for a lift or send them a message to let them know where you were where you were going to be for that afternoon um, messaging girls that was obviously one of the first things I did with my mobile phone started getting um, girls numbers and, and sending texts back and forth and even back then for, for the kids today listening we had the old phones where it was a button system so like um, you didn't have a keyboard um, you just uh, you know you just had the, the typical one to nine with a zero um, uh, you know like keypad set up or whatever so you got to press like um each number has three letters assigned to it so the two has a b c three has d e f yada 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 so on and so forth and you gotta like you gotta like hit in those numbers x amount of times to get the right letter to come up and shit so texting wasn't as simple as it was either which is why we came up with that whole um the 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 texting messaging um sort of spelling language that, that came out uh, when we were, you know, when we, back in the day when we had those kind of keypads. I think people have gone back to writing full hand rather than shorthand a little bit more nowadays because it's easier with proper key, keyboards and shit and spell, spell check and all that kind of shit. But, um, yeah, it was crazy, man. Like, so... I went out. I went through my whole teenage years without having a phone, without having social media. If you had problems with people at school and shit like that, like when you went home, it ended. It was finished until you went back to school the next day. And a lot of these kids, they don't get that chance, man. They go home, and whatever shit happens to them and at school kind of can continue, and probably is even even worse online because people are kind of ruthless. Um, over the internet, not so. I can just imagine what it would be like for these kids, man. It must be pretty rough to try and navigate that whole territory. And obviously, I'm something I'm going to have to deal with with my kids as they get a little bit older. So, I guess it's a job of parents now to start thinking about that and and prepping your kids for that as they grow up. So there would have been a real fucked up um, trans transitional period for certain parents where like that technology and these social media platforms and shit popped up while they were raising teenagers and stuff so you know it was something you were really un- unprepared for and no one had seen it before like so for me even though it's quite new my kids are gonna have to go through it and deal with it like they're three and five so i got 10 years to start teaching them how to deal with that kind of shit and learn it for myself and try and stay up to date with the trends and what's going on and obviously just keep your finger on the pulse but if you had a 12 year old and then and, and facebook came around or facebook became more accessible uh, and Instagram and all that kind of shit like you didn't have you were on the back foot from the fucking get go and all of a sudden your kids are getting hassed out at home you probably didn't even know what was going on they're in their bedroom in the evening you're not sure if they're just doing homework or just kicking back hanging out talking to their friends or on the phone or whatever but they're there on Facebook getting called all these names and shamed out and all this kind of stuff and I'm sure there's been a whole gang of that shit going on and, and uh, you know people started filtering their photos on Facebook, on Instagram and shit like that, sorry, so other, you know, again, especially girls are going online looking at photos of other, other girls who are, who are filtered to the, to the max with, so they're, they're not really, uh, they're not really putting forward a true, what they actually look like, you know, it's the fucking, it's a filtered version of themselves and get, other girls got to look at that and they don't take that into consideration because you're already hating on yourself and you've got low self-confidence and self-esteem and shit when you're a teenager, so 
It'd be fucking hard work, man. I really feel for people um, who are going to navigate through that now. And again, as I said, it'll be me in the future. But I'm pretty um, forward forward thinking and, and, and kind of tackle those kind of problems head on. Um, so I'm sure that we'll deal with it one way or another in my house as I get older. And again, I've got 10 years to, to, to figure it out. And I've kind of come from the being a young person with social media into getting old so I kind of get a broader spectrum view of it but yeah man there'd be a few people who just got blindsided by that whole thing and probably got fucked up by it <laughs> before they knew what was happening but um yeah I don't know where I was going with that that kind of just kind of just um <laughs> escalated pretty quickly but yeah yeah I guess what I was saying was one of the really good things about social media as well is that people can form communities and look after each other and help each other and give each other information and shit like that when you've got something like a cyclone um, going on and, and again there's there's groups now for people who've got like depression or weird shit that's going on to them it's, they can go and find these online support groups and don't have to physically, physically go out and find these groups to catch up with and stuff like that and you can get support and find like-minded people um, you know it doesn't even have to be locally in your community. It can be worldwide or countrywide or whatever as well. So there's a whole bunch of really great things about social media. And I guess when we talk about it, it's important to, to highlight those things as well because it's so easy to just rag on um, those platforms and, and just ridicule all the, the negative things about them. But there's a lot of positives going on there as well, man. And again, we're only just figuring out how to use the fucking technology on the fly. So I'm sure that people are pretty adaptable. Um, and once we catch up to the technology again, um, we'll be all right. We'll figure it all out. Hey, uh, moving on from from that big spiel, um, I've got a. I've been back on. I've been back on the books. Um, as I said on my last podcast or the podcast before, one of the two, I've been back on the the audio books and the podcasts and shit lately, and I'm really feeling my. Um, I'm really feeling my my head fill up again, hey, and my my head and my soul um, fill up again with like knowledge and different ideas and different points of view and feeling connected to the current trends and all that kind of shit again because as I said, I, I, alien, I alienated myself from that by getting obsessed with this massive book series, 14, 13, 14 book long, 13 or 14 book long series. Yeah, that's correct. Sounds weird when you say it like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm out of that fucking rabbit hole at the moment and, and, and really listening to a bunch of different audio books and podcasts and shit again and, and the latest one that I listened to I've, I've done um, sort of two and a half audio books this year uh, one was a um, a training podcast by a guy Pavel Tatsalini I've spoke about that as well recently and he does he's a a, a Russian expat or a, a Soviet Union expat living in the, in America who's a um, you know physical trainer and um, he really trains in the old school Soviet style of kettlebells and shit like that. And he's got this simple and sinister program, which f- basically just focuses and is based around two two movements: um, a hard style kettlebell swing and a hard style kettlebell Turkish getup. And um, which is basically what the workout is: is a little warm up you do beforehand, open up your hips and and your hamstrings and, and your shoulders. Uh, and then you get straight into the, the kettlebell swing, 10 sets of 10, so 100 swings all up, and then 10 Turkish get-ups. Um, and basically there's, there's there's some guide there on obviously form, um, rest periods, uh, sets, you know, sets and, and, and reps as well. 
um, and the style of 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 swing and get up, like I said, that's called hard style, is the is the style of the swing and the get up, as opposed to like a sports kettlebell swing, which is different, and, and um and the weights used as well. So at the moment, I'm still just getting used to the movements. He, he, he stresses that you've got to master or you've got to own those weights before you can move on to a next weight. So um, I'm at the moment, yeah, still trying to get my Turkish get up to 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 uh, weight to to match up with my um, kettlebell swing weight. Once I do that, I can then start building up the weights to and moving up the the rank on on both the uh, the get up and the swing. So basically, it's very simple. Um, concept to the workout and the whole and a big part of his his theory as well is that you're not he doesn't want you burning yourself out in the gym which is something i've definitely done in the past and i think in certain communities is actually part of the the whole ethos around him is to push yourself to your absolute limit leave it all in the gym you know which is cool which is great and this is a great way to train if that's what you're you're after specifically at that time of your life and if you're an athlete specifically and if you don't have a physical a hard physical job in 40 degree heat in the Pilbara you can leave it all in the gym but for someone like myself man I work outside on the tools in the heat and I need my body to work for the rest of the fucking day once I walk out of that gym and, and um, as I've got older and had two kids and less sleep and all that kind of shit and I kept trying to keep my training intensity up at the same level I've realised now it's kind of like listening to someone like this dude Pavel Tatsalini who's a hard dude he's a hard case guy he's not slacker he's not lazy he's not trying to give you an easy way out but telling you that hey man there's another way to train and not burning yourself out is uh, is the way that we like to do it we like to leave gas in the tank for, for what you've got to do for the rest of your day it was like a really a, a weight off my shoulders hearing that come from someone and going man so I can go to the gym and train and not be fucking completely killing myself Awesome, I'm down, and uh, it's still a hard workout. I'm and I'm starting to notice now that I've been doing it for a few weeks, the benefits. I'm starting to build up strength on um, more more of an all round strength and and like a power, um, a more of a power increase as well because the speed and power kind of increase with this with this workout, which is good, man. It's not a specific body type isolation type kind of training regime like I've been doing for a long time. You know, chest, back, shoulders, legs, that kind of shit. It's 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 a full body workout, and then I've been finishing it off with um just some bag work, the heavy bag at the gym, hitting the bag, kicking the bag, just doing some. And again, with that, I'm not trying to kill myself yet. Um, my fitness isn't up. Um, my shins and hands aren't conditioned to hitting the heavy bag. My hips ha- uh, haven't been used to kicking and getting into those positions for, for a couple of years. So I'm just trying to get my rhythm back, my flow back, build my ca- my cardio up, open my hips up. Um, yeah, and just trying to get into a bit of a flow. Um, yeah, so that was like a 15 to 20 minute session on the bag at the end. Um, and again, not going hard to kill myself, but just keeping myself moving and, get, and trying to get, open the hips up. I've been getting a really, really good workout out of it, man, and starting to really enjoy it. And knowing that there's a specific set of weights, um, a specific weight that I need to hit on both these exercises and all that kind of shit, lets me know that I've actually got some work to do ahead of me and I've got a specific goal to, to stick to and, and follow. And it's taking the thought process and... and uh, the um, paradigm of is it the paradigm the paradox the paradigm of, of choice out of my hands which is good leaves me more mental um, space to just get in there and, and concentrate on the on the movements and the workout and get it done.
So that's cool, man. Um, that was a book I read. Another book I've started reading, I've probably got about three quarters of the way through, was a book called um, The Gut. I think it's just called The Gut. And it's about, believe it or not, your gut. Um, that's a pretty good read. It's written by a doctor. I think she might be an English doctor living in Germany, or I'm not sure if she's actually German, but it's read by an English chick. Um, but anyway, it's about the gut, yeah. And obviously, it, it gives you a big lead up for all the other organs and the digestive system and your sinuses and adenoids and, and your tonsils and the uh, you know all the different systems leading up and down to the gut and then goes on a big journey about the gut and the different bacteria involved there and yeah all this kind of shit and really just a good interesting read man um, so that one I'm halfway through I've shelved it for a bit because again it's it's I guess it's a little it's very interesting but it's a little bit tedious it's very medical <laughs> Uh, but still an interesting read. And while I've shelved that, I've jumped on to what's been my favourite read for about... My favourite non-fiction book for a good year and a half, probably since uh, Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind or, or um, Jordan Peterson's um, um, Antidote to Chaos, 12 Rules to Live Your Life By. Um, so this is a really good book I've started reading, which is called Stealing Fire. Authors, I probably should know the authors' names. There's two authors. Um, Stealing Fire. Let me just jump on my Audible app here. By um, oh, the phone's taken. It's time to load up. Bit of dead air. That's what everyone loves when they're listening to a podcast. Um, authors Stephen Kotler and, and Jamie Wheel. And excuse me. <coughs> oh. That really just that that sneeze just hung hung at the top there for um for a minute before it really came out. Yeah, so Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel, narrated by some other dude, old mate Fred Sanders. And what have I got? Thirty nine minutes and thirty eight seconds remaining. So I've pretty much read that book too. That is a really really good read, man. It um. Oh book details what do they say about it I'll say I'll tell you what they say about it first and then I'll tell you what I've got out of it um, the authors so what basically that they, they, they're um, investigating the whole um, phenomena behind like flow state and what and what they call um, What's the, the 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 there's a term that they keep using? I should have written it down. Um, what's this, not exodus, ecstasis, ecstasis. It might be ecstasis, um, which is like basically um, ecstasis. I'm going to call it ecstasis for now because I didn't write it down. I'm reading their little blurb here and I can't see the friggin' word written anywhere. But he uses this word continuously through the whole book and I'd never heard it before which is why I can't remember it now but I'm going to call it ecstasis <laughs> for now and hopefully that's the right word but basically it's the it, this is like the mechanism or the state that people get into when he they start the book talking about say um, the Navy SEALs um, how when they go out on a mission and they all start working together and they all start um, thinking and acting and reacting 
as uh, one group all together sharing their consciousness rather than working and acting and thinking as individuals. Um, and I believe that that's what they're calling ecstasy. And then they go into how this phenomena can be found in all these different um, industries and areas in life. Like um, uh, it's something that the tech giants, the big tech companies like Google and people are all throughout Silicon Valley are, are really trying to get their programmers to, to get into this state. So they're all thinking and working and acting together towards a common goal and problem solving outside the box and, and working as a, as a unit. Yeah, sort of um, CEOs for these huge big Fortune 500 companies try and get their, their they get themselves into this state and they try and get their, their workers and their workforce into this state. Um, it goes into... Goes deep into um. So I said I was going to read what their um their blurb is and then tell you what I got out of it. But there's too much here for me to just read. Uh, off the top of the <laughs> to just read out on the podcast. So basically, I'll let you check that out yourself. Well, here, let me read this one. This one um, this one paragraph here. Why is generating flow and getting into the zone become the goal of the world's most elite organisations? Why business moguls attending Burning Man? Why has meditation become a billion-dollar industry? And why has technology gurus turning? Why are technology gurus turning to psychedelic drugs to unlock create, creativity? All of these people are seeking to shift their state of mind as a way of unlocking their true potential. Potential altered states. The authors reveal sharpen our decision-making capabilities, unleash unleash creativity, fuel cooperation, and let us tap into levels of inspiration and innovation unavailable at other times. Stealing Fire combines cutting-edge research and first-hand reporting to explore a revolution in human performance, a movement millions of people strong a, mo- a movement millions of people strong to harness and utilize some of the most misunderstood controversial experiences in history. Building a bridge between the extreme and the mainstream, this groundbreaking, provocative book examines how the world's top performers, Navy SEALs, Googlers, Fortune 100 CEOs, are using altered states to radically accelerate performance and massively improve their lives, and how we can too. Ultimately, Stealing Fire is a book about profound possibility. What is actually possible for ourselves and our species when we unlock the full potential of the human mind? Okay, so I ended up reading more than I was going to then because it just kept going. But basically, they talk about um, getting into this older state of mind, ecstasy, I believe it's called, and the different ways that they do that, how it can be accelerated with with psychedelic drugs, microdosing, going on like um, retreats together and taking mushrooms as a group and bonding and connecting like that. Um, yeah, uh, they're talking about, like, as I said, in Silicon Valley, people are microdosing, taking mushrooms, um, you know, doing DMT trips, all this kind of shit. Uh, big, all the I think like a massive number of the world's billionaires all turned Burning Man every year, where they go on this week long crazy psychedelic um, sort of drug induced uh, trance, and and you know like they all they all bind together as a community and come up with great new ideas, and it's a lot of open source, free source um, information, so people like. Elon Musk are attending festivals like this and where he said he came up with the idea for Tesla and for his um, underground shuttle transportation system and he's then putting the the, the patents or the ideas or the, uh, you know, for, for these, um, he's, he's putting the information for these ideas 
online for free, so open sourcing the information, and that's a big part of the community around Burning Man. They you know, people are, are giving their ideas away, so that the information can be shared and harnessed by large groups of people, and 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 hopefully the industry and and then um, and innovation can can move forward uh, more quicker, quicklier. So. I feel like I rambled on through that a little bit, but um, basically, really, really interesting book, and they go through a bunch of different industries and talk to all these different people about how, like, basically, we're me- 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 we're melding technology with psychedelic and um, psychedelic experiences now, and what people would call. Uh, mystical experiences on psychedelics and things like that and they're getting into the chemistry the brain chemistry and the brain function behind that and how we can then replicate those states and hit certain um, hit certain parts of the mind um, that generate these sort of um, flow states and states of community I think one of the big um, terms they were using in the book is, is an, an acronym which is STIR selflessness timelessness effortlessness and richness of experience so that's like one of the states that they're trying to get people into and it just really talks about like this isn't just bullshit like hodgepodge sort of um, you know hippie gargle shit this is like mainstream um, needle movers in the world billionaires and 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 leaders of top corporations and the and the guys obviously running the navy seals and shit like that who are behind this sort of these technologies and this these um, psychedelic um, you know experiences to try and unlock the, the potential of the human mind so we can all sort of yeah solve problems in in more creative and interactive ways and again as i said i'm going to use the word again ecstasy get in, get people into a a, a, um, a state of ecstasy where, where where we can think and move together as one and they talk about the downfalls of that and how certain corporations and government agencies and um you know, secret service agencies can hijack those um can hijack those same techniques to to you know basically get people to do the things that they want to and how it can be abused and all that kind of shit but just a really really good interesting read um they've done a lot of great research on here and yeah man it's just an interesting book we're in interesting times we're in the technological information data age as i've said a hundred times before as people already know and with that it's not just the physical technologies that we hold in our hands like there's a lot of other shit and a lot of other research and a lot of other breakthroughs and sharing of information and stuff like that that's going on and, and i think it's really interesting that um for people who are who are willing to look and willing to think outside the box and outside the square? There's um there's a there's a, there is a revolution going on in the world. Just look at the the, the fact that marijuana is becoming legal worldwide now. Other psycho psych, psych, uh, other psychedelic drugs are becoming decriminalised across America and Canada and things like that. And that's going to be a knock on effect for the rest of the Western world. And uh, I just think that there's an awakening happening in our culture and in our collective mind and, and it's really, really exciting time to be alive, man. It really is. And so the, the information, the technology and um, the breakthroughs that are going to come with this whole um, revolution in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years is going to be amazing to see. So a great book to read and to get a good idea of, of um, the front line of all that and where we're at with it at the moment. I didn't drag on too long about that, but um, really, yeah, I guess that was a review. Instead of doing an album review, that's my book review for the day, uh, for the week. And yeah, I tripped over my words a little bit in there, but um, you have to have to bear with me, mate, because 
just because it is it is what it is. I've got no good excuse for you. <laughs> um, so, what else, man? I've t- yeah, I've talked about Burning Man. I've got my I'm looking at my my um my little notes here. Oh yeah, another exciting thing coming up uh, at the moment is Triple J are doing a um, hottest 100 of the last decade. I think they're gonna. Yeah, they're going to play that in, in March, so voting will open for that. Maybe, yeah, voting will open for it pretty soon. It might be open already. And um, for someone like me who's 36, that's pretty exciting. Uh, I've listened to Triple J all throughout the whole last decade and felt a little bit disenfranchised and a little bit of um, out of the demographic over the last two or so years, two or three years. So to be revisiting the last top uh, the, the, the top songs of the last decade gets me excited. I'm going to get some of my my music, my generation's music back in there playing on the radio again and get me excited about some of those old tracks. Probably shit I've forgotten about myself as well. So I'm looking forward to that. The hottest 100 of the last decade. They've done the hottest 100 of the last 20 years. They did the hottest 100 of all time um, previously and they've been great fucking great playlists, great lineups, man, so I'm excited about this one as well, there'll be some bloody crackers in there, uh, what else we got going, um, a little seed sort of sprouted recently, and I had a chat to me mate Eli, best mate, and, and, and sort of shot him a text, and, and he's on board with the idea of, um, what's up Shady, what are you doing, oh dude, hold on a second, I'm fin- I finished my iPad, hey I'm back, I've got hijacked my boy, he just came in, he's finished having quiet time and kicked the door open and came in. Um, but yeah, yeah, so the idea is uh, I'm going to do a, uh, Viet- a Vietnam trip, an off-the-grid bo- Vietnam boys trip in, in October. So far, it's just me and me, me mate Eli um, going over. I don't know if those numbers will grow. I'm pretty happy if it's just the two of us. I'm also open to to other people coming along so we'll see what develops in the over the coming months but um i know i got i know i got my homie down for it and, and i'm down as well so it's just going to be the kind of trip i can't do with my wife and my kids man because it's going to be a low budget as i said off the grid staying in shitty accommodation going going um really th- through some of the uh, lesser known non-tourist parts of vietnam I want to do you know some riding bikes through the jungle and and some some really nice secluded mountain type type walks and 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 beaches and shit like that and i found a couple of great websites one in specific one specifically that's given us seven seven off the track experiences in 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 um in in vietnam so yeah, I've got a, a pretty good head start on where, what I want to do and where I want to go. And I went through this list, man, and it's basically exactly what I want to do. Um, it tells you about to visit places like Bai Too Long Bay, which is a little bay away from the main tourist attraction bays. It's nice and quiet and secluded. Um, you, there's farm-to-table food. You can go and get that experience in Bong Lai Valley, Bong Lai Valley which is like basically um, it's – the local delicacy, so you go to this region that where people who live there, the locals have just started opening their homes up um, uh, to, to tourists. So you go in there and you go to someone's house and they open up and you go into their house and they cook meals for you and, and they rent you out you know, a, a couple of beds to sleep in for the night and shit like that. So you're basically staying in their little villages. Um, 
yeah, and again, there's a couple of these places, a, a minority villages around the place that, that tourists don't generally go to. They don't speak English. You won't see other foreigners, you know, or very little foreigners in the in the area. Um, road trip to Hai Gong, which is um, you can ride your bike there. Um, yeah, what else have we got here? Mekong Delta's Unbin Island, a nice, quiet, secluded island. Going little little boat rides and shit like that there, man. There's there's a bunch of these little places um, that are off the beaten track, um, yeah. And again, like I said, we'll be we'll be sleeping like living it rough, doing doing it cheap. Um, just kind of thing you can't do with young kids and, and generally with your wife. So I'm pretty pretty excited about getting that one um, done, ticked off. I've wanted to go to Vietnam and do a bit of trekking and stuff through the jungle and shit there and see and and. And yeah, just do something different. That's been on the that's been on the bucket list for a while. Um, slowly coming back into that stage of our life where our kids are a little bit older. We're starting, you know, we're, we're able to put money away a bit more now and have a bit more independence um, from just the day to day grind. So you know, obviously, I'm going to have to rack up some brownie points with the missus and send her on a trip somewhere, a little girls' trip as well. So. It'd probably probably be better for me if I do that first. So if I tear up a little weekend, like a four-nighter or something somewhere, um, maybe she goes to Bali or whatever. Well, it wouldn't be a four-nighter in Bali from here. Maybe Broome or she go back down to Perth, do whatever the fuck she wants. Away for a little girl's weekend and bank that one. And then I know I've got a good, like, because I want a good week over in Vietnam. So then I've got a good week to just go, just, yeah, just go off the grid, man. No phone, none of that shit. Just a fucking backpack. Just sweating, stinking, walking around the jungle, doing some cool shit, and um, yeah, really, really get to see it from um, from that side, man. So I'm excited about about doing that. And obviously, we'll land in one of the big cities and spend the night there first, and then you know, um, try and get out of the get out of the way and see some stuff that you don't normally get to see on on general tourist trips. And then probably hit another big city the night before we fly out as well. So you get a couple, a little bit of taste of both of it, both of the both the extremes. Um, but yeah, that's I think October we're planning that one, so I'm excited about that. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I've got gonna I've teed up for Jared Goyen to come back on. Um, obviously, I had him on last year. He was about to have his first fight over in Thailand. He's had that fight and another one since, and he's got another fight coming up in April. So I'm gonna just check in with him and um, yeah, see see what he's up to, um, what the plans are for the rest of the year. Talk about his last fight. Um, where he actually got to fight a tie, which he didn't think he'd get to because he's you know in the 85 sort of in the 80 kilogram range, and there's not a lot of ties his size. But he got to fight a tie. Um, so yeah, man, I'm interested to see what's going on with him and what the what the the the, the future holds for him. And uh, I might even get in start training his gym this year. I've been hitting the bag at, at, at the gym there and starting to feel the um, yeah starting to to get that that. Uh, Love back for for just yeah for training and 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 doing and hitting the bag and doing combos and all that kind of shit. Definitely, definitely got a lot of conditioning to do on my hands and my shins. I've got a big bruise on my shin right now because I kicked the bag funny on Thursday morning. So I'm I'm limping around on that a little bit, but it'll be good to go in a couple of days again. Um and yeah man, we've got two forty UFC two forty seven coming up tomorrow, which is Jones versus Reyes, John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. Look, this cat's a dangerous cat, Reyes. He's a big guy as well, six foot four, like John Jones is. So he's got—he doesn't have the same reach as Jones, but he is in that same uh, ballpark of reach, and body types. 
He's a knockout puncher. He's undefeated. A lot of confidence coming in here. I like the guy. I dislike John Jones, but I've got to be honest, I don't want to see Jones lose, and it's because... The future is much more exciting if Jones keeps winning. Jones wins this one. He's probably going to go up to heavyweight and challenge the heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic. If he wins that one, the plan, he might fight another couple of guys at heavyweight, which would be cool to see him compete up there. Maybe he might even fight Francis Ngannou, which is fucking horrific and exciting to think about. And then uh, if he keeps winning and Israel Adesanya keeps winning, then the two of those guys might clash sometime next year, which would be really exciting and amazing fight to, to watch. Um, and speaking of Izzy, um, Izzy has, has a fight versus Yoel Romero coming up pretty soon. There was a really cool video of their press conference um, that got released today. Izzy's a dancer. Uh, you know, he's, he's, He loves to dance, and, and his last walkout was walkout of the year last year where he came out with a, a little dance team behind him and did a pretty cool routine on his walkout to the cage where he won the UFC undisputed middleweight belt. Um, and then he did a bit of a dance while they were sort of doing the media um, photos at the, the, the press conference, it must have been yesterday, um, he started doing a little bit of a Cuban dance, taking the piss out of Yoel Romero, who is a Cuban, or not taking the piss out of, but just making you know making light of it, and did a couple of little sort of um, yeah, uh, dance moves, and then Yoel jumps in and does a few dance moves of his own and, and tops it off with a fucking backflip to splits and then like sort of slides up and stands back up again. And the dude's like 43 years old, man. So athletic. He's wearing his, not quite a suit, but he's wearing like, you know, a pretty flash outfit. He's got a little hat on and he's just tucked his sunnies into his front pocket. He's just standing there already, like dressed up to the nines, man. Cold as, you know, he's not training for any sort of open workouts or anything like that and the dude just busts out a fucking backflip basically from standing still it was pretty bloody pretty bloody impressive um so yeah that's that's getting people hyped about their fight coming up because Yoel was just a killer just an absolute killer and Izzy didn't have to fight him Israel didn't have to fight the dude he wasn't the number one contender but he's a guy that no one wants to fight and Izzy just wanted to get him done beat him knock him off the list before he moves on with his um uh, with his career and, and with his uh, legacy. And hopefully it doesn't prove to be the wrong decision because Riolo is a uh, ridiculously high-level wrestler. We're talking um, Cuban gold medalist in the Olympics. Uh, huge resume on him, built like out of stone, knockout power, explosive power, just a real bad motherfucker, uh, not a guy that people really want to get in the cage with. So hopefully Izzy can get in there and, and shut him down, finish him, knock him out and move on with his career and start really building a, a legacy of his own. Um, so, yeah, that's coming up. Excited about that. Jones versus Reyes tomorrow. Um, get on it. Get amongst it. If you're in Carrath, I hope you guys are all safe. Thanks, everybody else, for listening, for your time. Um, yeah, big things coming up this year, man. Stick with me. Let's keep building this podcast if you like it. Like and share it, motherfuckers. Thank you very much. Um, and, and I'll see, see well, you hear from me next weekend for episode number 62. All right. Average Man Podcast, episode 61, Eye of the Storm, over and out.